first Bible reading is from John 14, 1-14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to you, to the Father, except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own, rather it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Second reading is from Ephesians chapter 1, 1 to 10. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints of Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfilment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. Thanks be to the Lord. Morning. Let's pray for a moment. Father, let the grace and the love and the power of your Spirit come into our hearts and our minds now and quicken us for that future that you have for each of us, individually and corporately, that your will would be done and your purposes be fulfilled in our lives, all to the glory of your name. May the word today move us to serve you more faithfully in Jesus Christ. Amen. Are you ready? Get ready. Now, that's a term that I've used a few times. I've used both those terms a number of times, especially with my daughter, who seems to have some peculiar nature that's different than mine and is ever getting ready, (laughs) get ready. These are words that cover lots of life situations, don't they? I mean, the reality is getting ready is a part of life. I know, for instance, 
that I am being made ready for something truly wonderful, eternal life in the presence of God. One of the great things is God is holy. He's destined me, you, to be holy and he's going to get us to be holy. That's his purpose and plan. It says in the scripture in Ephesians, and we read it, you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Now, I'll tell you that experience has taught me good preparation can make a big difference to outcomes. And I came across this. There was like a lady who said, I'm so grateful for my first aid training. Last night, there was an accident in front of my house and an elderly man was knocked down by a car and was bleeding all over. His moaning was awful. That's when my first aid training came in handy. I remembered to put my head between my knees to keep from fainting. Fortunately... It's not always like that. For instance, lifesavers are ever ready to leap into action the moment a person gets into difficulty in waters around our coast, whatever. They save a lot of people from drowning because of the preparation that they have undergone. The same goes for paramedics, for members of fire brigades and a host of other service industries. Good preparation gets us ready to do what needs to be done effectively. And Christians are being prepared and made ready to serve the purposes of God's kingdom reign on earth. In the truest sense, friends, we are the lifesavers on this planet because that which we bring in our message brings eternal life past the grave. That's the real life-saving deal. But over the years I've also noticed there are five things that sabotage good preparation procrastination and I've been good at that at different times you know, always put it off till tomorrow or whatever of course tomorrow never comes distractions that lead to sidetracks casual attitudes treating it as a joke lack of involvement and commitment I've also learned there are three things important to good preparation they are the preparation needs to be for a purpose and ultimately eternal It also needs to be thorough. And thirdly, it needs to be put into practice. God, our Father in heaven, is actually a perfect example of what it means to prepare and to get people ready. And the first on your outline points there, God uses the power of preparation. He carefully, this is awesome, friends. Think about this. He carefully prepared for the fulfilment of his purpose on the basis of his perfect plan. Now, it's one thing to plan, friends. It's another thing to prepare. And it's even further thing to bring the plan to fruition through action. He, God, chose us in him, Jesus, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In other words, friends, God planned for us to be in his kingdom even before he created anything. Doesn't that blow your mind? I mean, that says right at the beginning, think how vast creation is. Think how awesome it is. And God 
have you in mind, individually, corporately, the whole purpose of creation for that. He prepared a way for us to enter into that which he designed us for in the creation. He adopted us, that preparation, that whole purpose is to adopt us as his sons through Jesus Christ so that we may have all the privileges and the responsibilities of being part of his family on planet earth and ultimately in heaven. God uses the power of preparation. Number two, God prepares in his placing, he prepares a place for his people. Human beings, friends, I mean, just as I said before, we're the crown of creation. We are the chief object of his saving love, the focus of his attention and concern. God created the universe for us, a part of his plan, his purpose, his direction. And he saw that it was good when you go back in Genesis 1 verses 10 and 25. Then, having created all that and seeing it as good, he created us in his image and gave us his blessing in Genesis 1, 26, 28. And then he said, now it's very good. Friends, just as an aside for a moment, if you really want to understand the first 11 chapters of Genesis, you need to understand that they seek to answer this question. If God created everything good, why is the world like it is? If you read Genesis 3 to 11, you get the answer. That's interesting, isn't it? See, that's Hebrew thinking in that sense. Well, back to the sermon now that you've given you that. No part of creation is more important in God's eyes than men and women. He's given us the responsibility for effectively managing all that he has made and owns. Everything that is created is his. And we have the responsibility in that sense in him of overseeing it. And it's interesting, isn't it, that you think about lots of stuff that human beings have used which brings bad things to bear. I mean, the misuse of uranium, um, in some ways the overuse of maybe carbon in certain ways so that the atmosphere gets changed or something, I, whatever. Do you know, friends, the problem with all that is this, that we don't refer to God and we don't utilise that which God has created good in his wisdom and his purposes and so we misuse it and that ends up a mess. God prepared a place, not, not only did he prepare a place for all human beings, he prepared a place for his chosen people, Israel, to dwell. And it says in uh, Exodus 23:20, I'm sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place I have prepared. See, in the plan and the purposes of God, Israel was to be a nation living in a special part of the world, a land that God had prepared for them, the promised land. And he prepared it. God is preparing a place for you and I in his eternal presence. Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Stop being anxious if you like. Stop worrying. Stop being feeling insecure. In my Father's house are many rooms and I'm going there to prepare a place for you. God is totally committed, friends, to his purpose. 
and knowing the problems we would bring on ourselves before calling all that is into being, He planned, even before creation, He planned and prepared the way for us to be redeemed from the anxiety that sin brings and from the alienation from Him that sin brings and all the troubles that sin brings to our life. That's why it says in Scripture, in Jesus we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. You see, friends, our salvation didn't just happen. The Bible actually says, when the time was right, God sent His Son. That's in Galatians 4.4. Friends, that tells me this. God's hand had been everywhere, shaping the course of history, preparing the way for the coming of His Son. That just blows my mind. And at exactly the right time in the history of this world, Jesus came in the plan and the purpose of God. Number three, God prepares people for His service. It says, I have filled Him with the Spirit of God, with skill, ability, knowledge in all kinds of crafts to make. And it goes on and on. Exodus 31, verses 34. When God does that, it's not always obvious at first. Sometimes it seems like He's doing nothing or done nothing. And a classic example, if you like, is the Old Testament, is Moses. I mean, just think about this. Moses, cast adrift by fearful parents, found by Pharaoh's daughter, raised and educated as an Egyptian prince, then having taken matters into his own hands and murdering an Egyptian, he's separated from all the palace comforts for 40 years and all the experiences in Egypt and then in that wilderness land as a shepherd finally come to a point, the burning bush. God had completed his preparation and in the moment, He confronts him and commissions him and sends him back to Egypt to bring Israel out of captivity. He was educated in the ways of the Egyptian court and God's, he'd learned how to feed sheep in the wilderness and then he received God's call and authority to set captive Israel free. You see what I'm saying about God's planning? Preparation. Israel, of course, as a people, were chosen in the plan of God and they were prepared in the wilderness, okay, over 40 years for a purpose. Sadly, their history is such that they rebelled and drifted from God's plan for them so that in Jeremiah 13.11, you have, I bound, and, and you can hear the cry, of the anguish of God in this, I bound the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah to me, declares Yahweh, to be my people for my renown and praise and honour but they have not listened. You see, when you have the word listen in the scriptures, when you listen you do it. If you don't do what you listen to, you didn't hear it. Okay? That's how God sees things. Instead of living the life God had prepared them for in the place he had prepared for them to live in when you read it it's awful they turned to the idols of the people around them God in his love and grace and mercy sent prophet after prophet after prophet to them to call his people back to their destiny for an example 
Amos, it's interesting. Amos was a shepherd. He was in Judah. But he went over the border into Israel when the kingdoms were divided and he sold his goods in the northern kingdom of Israel. On every trip, Amos would see something of the idolatry in the people's lives preparing him for the work of being a prophet of God. You see, he didn't just suddenly step out like zip. He'd seen, he'd become aware, he'd become sensitive to, he'd become concerned for. Do you know almost every prophet has that kind of preparation before they speak? In the New Testament, Paul tells us that he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service. That's Ephesians 4, verses 11-12. Friends, during my short time with you, I believe led by the Holy Spirit, I have sought to prepare you for works of service that will bless you and your new pastor. I strongly believe that God brought us together for this time as part of His plan to make Wangaratta Baptist Church ready for the future He has for you. Number four, God prepared a people, firstly Israel, to be His son. Secondly, if you like, the church. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt I called my son, Hosea 11.1. The discipline of life in the wilderness, the law of Moses, the leadership of Joshua, the experience of the people were all part of God's preparing them to be his people. For what purpose? To bless other people with God's grace, love, message. And the sad thing is, not only did they not begin to spread the word to other people, they got contaminated from the religions of the other people and fell way, way, way short of the mark God wanted them to reach. Friends, I'm telling you now, God's preparation carries the highest expectation. It also offers tremendous hope. Most of the first 39 chapters of Isaiah, if you've read them, contain words actually at humbling the people and breaking them down. But once that prophetic word had been fulfilled and the people are in captivity in Babylon, they are told that everything, everything that had happened was part of God's preparing them for a new beginning. Listen carefully. God's preparation of people for His service often involves a stripping down. It can seem like things are going from bad to worse. That's how it was for Israel under God's disciplining acts. And Isaiah eventually brings a strong word that seeks to build the people up and give them hope, confidence for the future. He says, comfort. Now, I think I've already said this to you. Do you, do you, do you know what the word, English word comfort, where it comes from? It comes from the Latin. Very scholar learner here now, pastor, knows Latin. Well, I know two words. Comforta. Come to the fort, literally. Come to the strong place. So when Jesus talks about the comforter coming, he's talking about the strong one coming to strengthen you. Like in Second Corinthians, we have a whole thing about that we are comforted to comfort others. Let's translate that now. We are strengthened by God's Spirit 
to strengthen others who are struggling in pain and hurt and suffering. We are blessed to be a blessing. Comfort, strengthen my people. Speak tenderly to them. That's what's said in Isaiah 40 verses 1 and 2. Friend, comfort starts with God preparing a way. It's a way of triumph. It's a way of the display of power and majesty of God. Literally what Isaiah was saying, ruined as this nation of Israel is, God still has a plan for them. There's no evidence of it, but the Word of God declares its certainty. The way is the way of God leading His people home and there to prepare for what God is going to do. Now, way back, Jesse Jackson ran for President of the United States of America in 1988. He recalls the first day in sixth grade. My teacher began writing these long words on the blackboard and we couldn't understand them. Never even heard of them before. We all looked around and started whispering to each other, She's got the wrong class. She thinks we're eighth grade. Somebody finally called out, Oh, Miss Shelton, they're eighth grade words. We're only sixth grade here. She turned around and looked at each of us. I know what grade you are. I work here. I know what grade I'm teaching. And you'll learn every one of these words and a lot more like them before this year is over. I will not teach down to you One of you just might be a mayor or a governor or even president someday and I'm going to make sure you're ready. And she turned and went on writing. Friends, God knows what we're really capable of and he sets the level of preparation accordingly and it's way beyond what we think. When God prepares the way, he often sends someone to do some things as part of the preparation. Like in Malachi, see, I'll send my messenger. The Hebrew Malachi actually means messenger, who will prepare the way before me. Malachi 3.1. In some sense, I've laid claim to that's part of what God has placed me here with you for. Number five, God prepares and provides opportunities for ministry. The 12 disciples of Jesus, Paul and others, were all prepared for the work of ministering the kingdom of God to other people. Acts 3.17, Acts 9.1.19. Now here's another story. Late one evening, a professor sat at his desk preparing for his next day's lectures. He shuffled through the papers, putting them in order. Then he turned to the pile of mail on his desk. He began throwing them in the wastebasket when one magazine, not even addressed to him, but delivered to his office by mistake, caught his eye. It fell open to an article titled Needs of the Congo Mission. He began to idly read it. These words caught his attention. The need is great here. We have no one to work in the northern province of Gabon in the central Congo. It's my prayer as I write this article, God will lay his hand on one somewhere who will come to this place and help us. The professor closed the magazine and wrote in his diary, My search is over. His name, Albert Schweitzer. Did it happen by chance? No way. God prepared him for the work. It was part of God's plan that he'd prepared the way for. God has prepared you for the work he has planned for you. 
the work of making disciples for Jesus. Number six, God has prepared you and I for what is to come. No matter what the uncertainties might be right now, if you remain faithful to God's call, He will bring about the fulfillment of His plan for you. Everything that's happened in the past, everything that's happening now is preparation for what God wants to do in the months and the years ahead. God brought us together, okay, as part of His plan and purposes for our lives. Our history, our experiences, our background, all combined to prepare for us the next stage in God's plan, okay? For example, I'll use my own situation. My background in a church family, of being in a thriving church to see it decline from hundreds of people to be sold off, of being in business, in playing church, okay, without any real commitment to Jesus, of being a pastor in a number of churches around the nation, of being involved with international ministries, were all part of God's preparation for my ministry with you. Got it? God had brought you to this new day in His plans for you in just two weeks. In God's plan for Wangaratta Baptist Church, your new pastor joins you as part of His plan for you as His people in Wangaratta. As that new day that God has brought you to develops, it will, of course, bring change. Some things we always resist. I mean, how many here like change? Not anyone hand put up, you see, because we like it as it is, usually, okay? But if you're serious about your calling as a church, your desire will be that you will want to be more like Jesus and do more for Jesus with your new pastor than you've ever done before. And you'll embrace any changes that God calls you to make to bring that about. Because I want to remind you right now, friends, I would love to eyeball every one of you right now, and I can't get my eyes to do that. You are a people of destiny. You are a people of destiny, a people significant in God's plans. And the devil will do anything to cut you off from your destiny in Christ Jesus. He will sow seeds of doubt in your minds. He will cause you to question God's plan for your lives. Do you know how Jesus answers that? He tells us actually how to beat the devil when he tries to dis- disillusion us. It says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust in me. We read it earlier, John 14.1. Now remember these words of Jesus. Always hold them in your heart. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now listen to me very carefully or you will not see the point of his teaching. Jesus, the Son of God, is the most narrow-minded person in history. Hello? Because he's the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father God but through me. You can't get any more narrow than that because that's just one single lane. Isn't it interesting? Because people call us narrow-minded every now and then, especially when we talk about Jesus or we want to focus or do something like Israel Falau and his thing. All he did is actually quote Scripture almost. Now he's in big trouble in the Satan-driven world. Let's get this. Because Jesus is the most narrow-minded person in history, 
He is the dividing line of all humanity. There are, I've said this way back. There are only two camps in this world. There are Jesus' people or the devil's people. It's as simple as that. He is the truth. That is, he is the living expression of God's will and purposes for human beings. What he says is true, and you either believe him or you do not. It seems in our modern world, we have this thing about what's true for you may not be true for me. If it's true, it's true. And the only real truth is Jesus, who's the expression of God. Get this, friends, it's very important. That's why he is the life, because he is the word, the living word of God. He's the word of God, the truth of God, incarnate, living, alive. There is no life before God, with God, in God, except by Jesus. Because every person, every person is a sinner cut off from God by the chasm sin brings about. And there's no person in this room that has not sinned. Because sin is not so much the actions that we do. Sin comes from that which is in the heart. And it's the thoughts that we hold. And that's really scary, isn't it, if we're honest. Life outside of Jesus is a shadow. It's a passing fantasy. It's a mirage that will fade into nothing. Because Jesus is the one bridge God has provided to bring real life, life abundant, the life in and of the Holy Spirit of God that goes on forever into eternity. That's why he is the way. By his life and his death on the cross, we will celebrate this next weekend. Jesus opened the new and living way for all who become his disciples to enter into life that is eternal in the presence of God. Eternally so. He said, I am the door. If any enter through me, they will be saved. John 10, 8. Through Jesus, we have access in one spirit to the Father. Ephesians 2, 18. Friends, ultimately, as a believer in Christ Jesus, as your Lord and Saviour, your destiny is heaven in the eternal presence of God, your Father. It doesn't get any better than that. And you're being prepared for that place. You see, I learnt this a long time back because it is if only holy people get into heaven. And I said, God, I'm a long way from holy. He says, I know. I'm working on it. You know, sometimes I think we're crazy. God's working to get us to the perfect holiness He wants us to. And we fight that all the way. And, you know, I have an image of that. It's like riding a motorbike with one leg stuck out, hitting every white pence marker post down the road. That's dumb. We need to cooperate with God that he will bring about in us that which he's planning and intending to do. Don't fight the inevitable, friends. Go with the game. Here's the guarantee of God for you. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. That's what it says in 1 Peter in chapter 2 verse 9. As such, we're to live our new life here on earth for God's glory so that by declaring the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light, we are sharing his love abundantly around us to the praise of his glory. 
even when we get persecuted, he has prepared, is preparing the community of Wangaratta for the specific work he has for Wangaratta Baptist Church. You hear what I just said? Your future is a divine appointed opportunity to mesh with the community as true life savers. Your life together is to provide hope, healing, counsel for the hurting, to fulfill your destiny, the quality of care one for another is to be of the highest order, providing an environment where people are growing to be truly effective disciples of Jesus. By your life together in the unity of the Spirit, you are to tell the next generation the wonders of God who loves them and who prepares a place for them in His kingdom. The question is, are you going to commit yourselves to do that? Are you going to enter the future totally focused to work with the preparation God has given you to fulfill your destiny. The reward will be a great sense of purpose and satisfaction and blessing. Let's pray. Father, whilst we have the privilege of celebrating the crucifixion, death and the resurrection of your son, Jesus, Yahashua, God saves next weekend. In this moment, Father, I lift this people to you. I thank you for the privilege of being part of this fellowship over these past few weeks. I thank you for the life that they have in them that is from you, your Holy Spirit given to them through Jesus Christ. And I pray, Father, that they will move from this time into the future, into the future you have for them. May they embrace Aaron and his wife and family as their new pastor and pour love into their lives and take them way beyond their own capacity in themselves and even what they have in you to bring their life as pastors and wife and family to a rich blessing and abundant fruitfulness in this place as they seek to serve you and honour you and work with you to do that which you have prepared and trained them and given the experience to do in the weeks and the months and the years ahead. I thank you, Father, for what you're going to do here. In Jesus' name, amen.